you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 40, uh, 41. It says this, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the wave, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Let's pray. God, I just pray for your word that's about to go forth. God, I pray that the words that are spoken today would be inspired by you and you alone. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would uh, do a work in our life um, and, and that you would turn things around for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pretty crazy story. The disciples are panicking. They're nervous. They're freaking out. They're, they're terrified. Um, and, and I think it's easy to jump to conclusion, like maybe these guys are just like a bunch of wimps. Maybe they're just, they're sissies. I, I don't know. But you got to bring some context to the story. And the truth is, is that most of these disciples, not all of them, but a handful of them were professional fishermen. Before they were followers of Jesus, they specialized in the space of the sea. They were fishermen. They understood a thing or two about the waves. If you were going to go out and buy a boat, you probably would have called up one of these disciples to say, hey, what do you think about, about this boat? So if the disciples, especially the fishermen, are getting nervous, there's probably a good reason for it. You know, I, I um, don't often travel, but when I do, um, I hate flying when there's turbulence. I, I can't stand it. For some of you, if you're honest, you can't stand it. You're like tempted to purchase the Wi-Fi thing to text your family member like the plane's going down, I love you. That's, that's how I get it. The, the plane starts to shake. I start getting nervous. I pull out my debit card. I'm thinking about what's like my last message that I'm about to tell the world before I leave. It's just it's where my mind goes. And, and I've learned over the years not to panic and also not to look at the other passengers, but to look at the flight attendant. Because if the flight attendant is calm, and she's good, and they're still serving their drinks, everything's probably okay. But if I ever, in my life, saw a flight attendant break a sweat, get nervous, reach for that little dangly thing that's, you know, running back and forth, terrified, yelling at the pilot, if I ever saw a flight attendant break a sweat, I would be terrified too. I say that to say this, if those disciples were nervous, there was probably a really, really good reason for it. The wind and the waves are causing chaos all across the board. The title of my message today is this, I'm carrying too much. I'm carrying too much. The disciples are experiencing anxiety. 
They're anxious. They are anxious. They, they, they feel like, man, everything's about to fall apart. The boat is about to break down, and we are going to drown. They're, they're, they're feeling really, really anxious. Has anybody ever felt anxious in this place today? Maybe anxious. Maybe, maybe for you, you're not really concerned about your, your boat crashing because you don't even have a boat. But maybe you're concerned that, that your marriage is, is going under. Maybe you con- you're concerned about your, your business. It was a great, great, great start, but it just seems like today, man, I'm really, really anxious about my business. Maybe it's in your physical well-being. You're, you're, you're anxious about your health. You, you, you don't really know why you're feeling the symptoms that you're feeling, so you're feeling a little bit, a bit anxious. You know, we talk about anxiety, and socially it is so talked about, and, and, and honestly, it's, it's, it's almost celebrated to some degree. Yeah, I'm just an anxious person. Yeah, just deal with anxiety every now and then. You know, it's just, just a little bit of, of anxiety, but God didn't die on a cross for you for you to deal with any ounce of anxiety. And, 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 and even for me, as I was praying about this message, I started thinking, God, why in the world would you want me to talk about anxiety or being anxious? Why, why out of all the things we can talk about, why on this specific Sunday, for those in the room and those that are online, why would you want to talk about being anxious? Because I learned something about anxiety. Anxiety, or you being anxious, has nothing to do with your yesterdays. It has everything to do with your tomorrows. I'm going to say that one more time. The things that you are anxious about have nothing to do with your yesterdays, and they have everything to do with your tomorrows. I am not anxious about a test I took in fourth grade. I am not anxious about a battle that I've already gone through, whether I won or lost it. I am not anxious about anything in my yesterdays. But if anxiety is alive and well in your life, it's because you're fearing something and your tomorrows. And the reason why this is so important, it's because of where we have been as a church. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, this is a verse that we have parked in for the last few months. And I believe we are closer to seeing this than ever before. And this is what it says in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. Does that sound familiar? Anybody, anybody consecrating themselves? If you don't know what that means, make sure you listen to the last couple weeks on our podcast or on YouTube. Powerful, powerful message. Consecrate yourself. Why? For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing, amazing things among you. It is impossible. It is impossible to believe for the miraculous and for disaster at the same time. If my anxieties have to do with my tomorrows, then I'm really going to have to pay attention to what I'm anxious about. Because it is impossible to have faith for God to do wonders in your tomorrow if you're also freaking out about tomorrow. Anxiety being being anxious. And I I think for us, you know, we have to examine and we have to look at this story to see, man, what can we pull from this story? Because on this boat were a lot of anxious people, all the disciples, but there was one person that was not anxious. Y'all know who he is? That was Jesus. If you never, in church, the answer is always Jesus. If you say Jesus, it's going to be right. No one's going to look at you funny. Jesus Jesus was the only person on the boat that was not 
anxious. And there's two things that I want to pull from this story that I believe we can pull for our own life to help us that are feeling anxious. You're anxious today. And the truth is, is anytime something you care about is threatened, anxiety is always going to come and knock at your door. So there's things in your life today that you care about. Well, guess what? There's always going to be an opportunity for you to be be anxious. But today we're going to learn from Jesus himself. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus know that me here in this room today don't, don't, don't know? The very first thing, number one, is this, and it's very, very important. It's simple, but it's so, so powerful is this. Jesus knew God cared. Jesus knew God cared. He, he knew that God cared. Do you know that God cares about you? Like, I know it's easy to say, but do you actually believe it? Do you believe that God has your back? Do you believe that God is for you? Jesus knew. He knew that he knew that he knew that God cared about him. How do you know? In Mark chapter 4, verse 38, it says this. When everybody's panicking, but he, speaking of who Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. The reason why Jesus was able to rest so well is because he knew God cared for him. Maybe you're in this place and you don't really know if you believe that God cares for you. My next question is, how well are you resting in the middle of uncertainty? How at rest are you right now? How at rest are your emotions when the boat starts to rock a little bit? How at rest are you when things aren't going your way? Because if I'm not resting as Jesus was, there's a good chance I probably don't know that he cares. But Jesus knew this. He knew that God cared. He knew that God cared too much for him to let the ship go down. He knew that he cared. And you're going to have to know that God cares about you. You, you, you really are. You're going to have to believe that because if you can't even establish that he cares for you, you will have no fighting chance in doing the second thing that Jesus does that we'll get to in a moment. You got to know that he cares about you. He cares about you. He is for you. So many times we envision God just being super upset, like he's just mad at me, like he's out to get me, like he's just waiting for the next thing I do that is wrong. He is for you. He believes in you. One, one thing that I've had to challenge myself, and it's going to sound a little bit arrogant, and it's okay, but I believe this. I believe, and I'd walk around since the first time I got saved, I believe I'm God's favorite. I'm his favorite. That may not have worked out for you, but Andrew is his favorite. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not even pretending. I genuinely believe that. I'm sorry. I, I, am, I apologize. I don't mean, but I just believe that I'm his favorite. Can you look at your neighbor and say, I'm God's favorite? Maybe you were invited by someone. This is your first time you've been, in, you're invited by someone that's been here for years. Look at that person and say, I'm, I'm God's favorite. Like you thought you were, I'm God's favorite. When was the last time you walked around like you were his favorite? Like, I know you blew it, but man, you were his favorite. When people look at you and say, man, it doesn't look like it's going to work out, looking back and say, you know what, I know that, but I'm, I'm his favorite. Like, I know you might think that for yourself, but I am his favorite. You are his favorite. Say, I'm his favorite. Say it again. I'm his favorite. God cares about 
you. He cares about you, and you got to establish this in your heart. God cares about me. I want to give you some Bible verses and take notes, take pictures, whatever's easier for you on the screens. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this. Give all your worries and cares to God. He cares about you. He cares about you. You are his favorite. Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. He will certainly care for you. Psalm 8, verse 4. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them care for even angels are scratching their heads saying god why do you care for them so stinking much matthew chapter 10 verse 29 through 31 it says this what is the price of two sparrows one copper coin but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head, unless you're bald, are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. God cares for you. So when you walk around and you start questioning, God, remind yourself, I'm his favorite. Now, but you blew it yesterday, I know, but I'm his favorite. Now, but you barely know God. I know, but I'm his favorite. Walk around like that. Walk around with some confidence, knowing that you are cared by God. Jesus knew this, and because he knew this, he was able to sleep in the middle of a storm. You don't have to wait for everything to iron itself out to find peace. You don't have to wait for the good report to find peace. You don't have to wait till your football team wins to find, because my team is 0-3, so nobody tell me the score, because me and my sister are going to, we, we're in church, so we're pre-recording it, so don't tell us, because we're going to watch it later, and the Vikings are going to get their first win of the season, and if they don't, it is what it is, so it don't matter. Anyways, where was I? Where was I? I'm not even sure where I was. Um, peace? What about peace? Just Yes, peace in the, exactly. So Andrew doesn't have to wait for the Vikings to win a game to find peace, to be at rest. So just know that. You, you, you can enjoy life today. Is there uncertainties? Yes, but can I remind you, there's always going to be uncertainties. There's always going to be things that you're like, ah, what if, what if, what if, well, forget what if. Most of the things you're paranoid about will never even happen. And even if they do, you're going to get through it and God's going to see you on the other side. So you have to know this. God cares. He cares about. He cares about you. The second thing, the second thing that we see Jesus do, and and band, you can come up here and help me. Y'all left like I preached for forty minutes. You know I'm done. Number two is this. Number two is this. Jesus surrendered his cares to God. Jesus surrendered his cares to God. If you don't know that God cares you, this point's going to be really difficult. But when you establish that God cares about you, this point's going to become a little bit easier. To surrender your cares to God. To, to hand it over. To take that very thing that keeps you up at night, that thought saying, God, I give that to you. God, I'm, I'm freaking out about my kids, but God, I surrender that care to you. 
God, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I, I surrender. The Bible also says, also says to cast your cares. Cast your cares onto God, for he cares about you. You got to get the cares out of your hands. How do we know that Jesus cast his cares or surrendered his cares to God? You see it in the response of the disciples. In Mark 4, 38, it says the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care? Teacher, don't you care? The disciples were looking as if care could be held in the hands of Jesus, wondering where in the world is that care? It wasn't there because it had been surrendered to God. Are you carrying that care today? Like, I know we say, like, God, I cast you, but you're holding on to that thing so, so tight. You're holding on to that care like it's a, like a flat screen TV on, on Black Friday. You're just not letting go. And we can say, like, God, I cast that care, but if you're obsessing about it every single day, you haven't let that thing go. Pay attention to what you're, what you're saying. Pay attention to your words. Your words will indicate if you're caring about it or not. And I'm not saying that you don't care. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about holding it in your hand, taking the responsibility for that thing. God wants to care for you. He wants you to take that care and, and, and get it out of your hands so he can do what only he can do. Can, can I tell you that God, God can take so much better care of that thing that you're trying to take care of right now. God can handle it so much better. All the things that you care about, God can handle those things so much better than you. you got to cast your cares. But this is the truth, is we have this tendency to, like, cast it, and then, like, the boat gets a little rocky, and I got wet by a wave, and we reel it right back in. And we reel it back, and I cast it, and I reel it right back in. you got to stop reeling it back in. Once you surrendered it, the fight of faith is leaving it there. The good fight of faith isn't trying to go and fight another devil. The good fight of faith is leaving that care on the table. But God, I gave you that care. I gave you that care and I don't want it back. That care belongs to you. So many times we, we, we take it right back from God and we obsess about it and we worry about it and we're anxious. We're anxious about the outcomes of tomorrow. But you got to keep that care in the right hands. I know that sounds so simple, but man, that's hard. That's, that's tough to do. Standing there and your care is no longer in your possession. It's now in the possession of this God who you can't even see. You have to believe that he really does care. But you know, I love God. And what's so awesome about God is God's not looking for you to like cast your care and like throw it over there and then like just stand there with willpower to stand there empty handed like I'm just not going to care. I'm not going to care. I'm not going to care. I'm not going to care. And your mind's going crazy and you're just doing your best. to. I'm not going to care. I'm not going to care. I'm not going to. He's not looking for you to hold on to nothing. He actually wants to make an exchange with you. And this is something that Jesus had to hold on to in the middle of that storm. Before they ever got on that boat and before there was ever a storm, Jesus had to speak something. And he looked at his disciples and he said, we're going to the other side. 
the word, Jesus. He said, we're going to the other side. If Jesus would have acted in fear like the disciples, he would have contradicted the word that had already been spoken. God is not looking for you to stand there with care out of your hands, but just paranoid doing your best not to pick it back up. He's wanting to make an exchange with what? Once you cast his care, take my word and cradle that. You hold on to that. So, so now you're not just defenseless. Now when the waves start coming in and water's getting in the boat, you're just not there like my cares of, you have the word. You have the promise. You have the outcome. If he said you're going to the other side, you're going to the other side. So what do you do, man? Maybe you're questioning. You're so nervous that your son will never know God. And it keeps you up at night. And you're like, God, I just don't know if he'll ever know you, if my family will ever be saved. What are you going to go cast that care to God? And then I'm going to find that verse that promises me household salvation. So when the temptation to go and pick up my care comes, I have something to remind myself what I'm standing on. If you don't know your word, if you don't know that Jesus said you're going to the other side, you are always going to struggle picking cares back from God. But when you know that you know that you know, that he says, by the stripes of Jesus, you are the healed of the Lord. Even when the doctor's report doesn't come back positive tomorrow, I'm not going to go and pick up that care. I'm going to remind myself what he said. I'm not moving. I'm not underestimating. I don't want to underestimate what you're going through. Life can be tough. Life can be hard. For some of you, you're feeling the water come into that boat. For some of you, you feel like you're sinking. For some of you, you feel like you're going under. What do you do? The only thing we can. God, if you said I'm going to make it, then I'm going to make it. God, if you said it will happen, then it will happen. This is not a popular place to stand, but it is a place for believers to stand. They don't call us believers just so we can switch up our Facebook profile to say, I'm a Christian. We are a believer because we believe this more than we do our feelings. We believe this more than we do fear. We believe this more than we do the report. It's amazing how we mesmerize over all of these Bible heroes. And we're like, man, I would be David. Really? Man, I would be Samuel. Really? I'd be a lot. Really? My friends, this is the answer. Standing on the word of God. When you cast that care on God, don't leave your hands empty. Don't try to just muster the strength not to be anxious. Because anxiety is going to try to knock back at the door. And if you don't have an answer for it, you will embrace that care again. Grab your verse. There is a promise for the very thing you're afraid of right now. God already has an outcome for the very thing you are afraid of right now. Grab that promise. Do you know what that promise is? Do you, do you have a verse, something that you can use to resist? When, when, when anxiety is creeping in, do you have something to hold on to? And you always have to remind yourself this because we're human. The enemy's always going to try to get your focus on negative things, negative outcomes. Maybe you're believing for healing in your life, but you're kind of struggling because someone else was believing for healing and they didn't get the healing that you, they were hoping for.
you cannot, you cannot let past circumstances, you cannot let other people's outcomes dictate the character of God. I can't look at what didn't happen there and what didn't happen there. I, I got to look at what God says, and, and I can't rearrange my theology to fit someone else's situation. I can't do that. Either I believe that by the stripes of Jesus I am healed, or I don't. Because if you're kind of like, well, maybe, but it didn't happen for my Thea Rosa, so I don't really know. You got to establish where you stand. No, but you don't know they were a faith person. That's awesome. But that doesn't change what I believe. That doesn't change where I stand. There are things that you will never, ever know in this lifetime. And when you get to heaven, you're going to be like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, my goodness. That makes sense. Maybe you're in here and you lost someone. You're like, man, they went out at a young age. They were a believer. They believed in God. They believed in his miracles, but they were done. You know, when God get, when we get to heaven, God's not going to look at you and say, wow, you lived to see 120. God's going to say, what did you do with the life you did have? And there are some people, including Jesus, that didn't even make it into their 40s, that did more with their life than some people that would live to see 120. And I'm here to tell you there's some 45-year-olds in heaven that did some work in the earth that would never trade their life for 120 for nothing. I'm just saying, God has a promise for long life. Yes and amen. That, that, that was the first command that had a promise attached to it. Yes. But live on purpose, man. Live on purpose. In case you didn't know, I can't call anybody from the 1800s to see how they're doing. Death is a part of life. Don't be afraid of it. You're so terrified about something that is inevitable unless Jesus comes back. Get on mission. Get on mission. I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm called to live a purposeful life. God is going to use me. Yeah, but I'm 60. Now God can do more in your 60s than he did in your 20s. Yeah, but I'm pushing 70. God can do more in the last 20 years of your life than you have done accumulated since the day you were born. That is the God that we serve. Got to cast that care. Grab your word and hold on to it. I believe the reason why the disciples struggled so tremendously, and I think this is the reason why I struggle tremendously sometimes, and maybe you struggle tremendously as well with this anxiety and feeling anxious and Mark 4, verse 41, it says the disciples were absolutely terrified. They say this, who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Who is this man? They didn't really know God the way they thought they knew God. If you could ever really know who your father is, you won't struggle the way you're struggling. We need to know that our God does move wind and waves. We need to know that our God is a miracle worker today, that our God is able. Jesus knew his father, the disciples weren't there yet, but we're growing in our understanding and knowledge of who God really is. But it can't be intellect. It can't just be my mind is stimulated. I know who God is. It has to be a conviction in your heart. It has to be a conviction. Like, no, I don't believe that. For some of you, it would take me $100 to convince you to wear a jersey of a team you don't like. But you embrace sickness like it's a part of your life. And you embrace poverty like it's a part of your life. No, you got to know who you are. And the only way you're going to know who you are is when you know who he is. We're not going to be walking around as a church looking at God saying, Who 
is that man? We are going to say we know exactly who our Father is. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. Why are we resisting anxiety? Because anxiety is trying to paint a picture of your tomorrows. But I got good news. God has some better things for your tomorrows. We've been consecrating ourselves. God has some incredible things in our tomorrows. But if I'm going back and forth, believing for miracles and believing for disaster, I will see nothing. I got to put these, this anxiousness to rest. I have to establish where I stand. I'm not worried. God's got me covered. I'm not going to yield to this thing. I'm going to be okay. I know that God cares for me. And I'm going to cast my cares on God. And when my cares try to come back into the house, I'm going to shut the door and I'm going to remind my cares of what God said. Of what God said. This is important. This is so important. And for me, and maybe you're in here and you don't feel like you're a leader or that people are looking to you. People are looking to you today. People are watching to see what do you do in this moment. Some of your haters are looking at you to see how you respond to that adversity. You've been preaching to your mom for years. She's watching to see how you handle that situation. You've been trying to invite people to church. They keep saying no, but they know what's going on in your life, and they're just watching to see. Your kids are looking at you saying, what are they going to do? I love this story because there's this, this thing that's kind of dropped in there, and it just rang true with me in Mark 4, verse 36. It says, after leaving the crowd behind, the disciples took him, speaking of Jesus, along in the boat, just as he was. Then it says this, that other small boats followed him. Other small boats followed him. Those small boats were in the same waters that the disciples were in. Those same little boats were in the same mess as the disciples and those small boats were probably looking to see what are they doing? What, 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 what are they doing? Are we going under? What, what are they doing? Jesus understood that it wasn't just the people on his boat that were watching. There was a bunch of little boats that were watching to see how they would respond. For some of you right now, your kids are watching. They feel the waves. What's dad going to do? What's mom going to do? What are they going to do? How are they going to respond? Are they freaking out? Because if they freak out, we should freak out. What are they doing? The little boats in your life that are looking to you in this moment, this is not the moment you crumble. This is not the moment you break. This is not the moment you go back and pick up the care. This is the moment you stand and let the world know what you do in the face of adversity. I trust them. I trust God. I believe that he's not going to let me down. I believe that our best days are ahead. I believe that we're going to be okay. I believe that our family's going to make it. That dream that he put in your heart, I believe that it's going to come to pass, but it don't look like it's going to come to pass. I believe it. We are believers, and I believe in this moment, there's just a lot of things that we've been caring too much about. For some of you, you've been caring a whole load of things. I love spaces like this because these are moments, just in, mo in a moment you can surrender it to God. When you surrender those things to God, I'm telling you, God will fill your heart with peace. Some of you haven't felt peace since you were three. You're going to feel peace today. Some of you haven't experienced that peace that surpasses understanding. You're going to experience that peace today. But in order for you to experience that, you're going to have to take what you've been caring about. You're going to have to hand it over to God. 
And I asked Drew just to sing something, to sing something, just to create a space in this environment that might seem so simple. Like I was just invited to this church. This is not just a church. This is a place of miracles. This is a breeding ground for miracles online. This is the breeding ground for, for miracles. There's faith in the room. And when you surrender something to God, watch what he's able to do with it. I believe God is going to do so much in this moment. You might leave this place and you feel the same, but come Tuesday, you're going to be like, why don't I feel the way that I felt? Why, 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 do, why do I feel happy all of a sudden? Why, why, do, why, why are these things changing? Because you surrendered what you've been carrying to God. And when you surrender that thing to God, leave it in his hands. Leave it in his hands. When Monday comes, leave it in his hands. Pick up your word and remind yourself where you stand. Drew, can you just sing that over us today? God, today we surrender those things to you. We surrender those things to you. Right now, hand those things. Hand those things to God. Surrender those things. God, I surrender that care. God, I surrender that care. Surrender it to you. Surrender that to God. He cares more than you. No 
Till I hold in my hands the things that you said I could have. Till I hold in my hands. Oh, I will stand till I hold in my hands the things that you said I could have. Come on, he loves to hear you sing it. Will you sing your commitment this morning? I will stand. So I will stand till I hold in my the things that you said until I hold in my hands we want signs and wonders and miracles till I hold in my hands the things that you said till I hold in my hands God today we call you faithful you are faithful you are faithful you are faithful God, you are faithful to see us through it. You are faithful to see us through it. I thank you that even when we gave up, you didn't give up. That even when we let go of the dream, you never let go of the dream. That even when we quit, God, you never quit. God, today we re-enlist to your plan. We sign back up to the plan that you have for our life. And we will not allow the enemy to slow us down. We will not allow anxiety to slow us down. We will believe like we're crazy. We will believe in the impossible. We will believe there are miracles in our tomorrow. With every head bowed and eye closed in this room, maybe you came into this today or maybe you tuned in online and you're like, man, I, I, I don't even know what I experienced today. Maybe God is real. May, maybe God does have a plan for my life. He absolutely does. And if you don't know God personally, I would hate for you to leave this place on your own today without him. Maybe you feel disqualified because of dumb things that you've done. This is why God sent Jesus to this earth to fix what was broken so that you can know God the way man knew God before sin and mistakes ever entered the world. You could know God personally today. And the way that you do that is not by putting your trust in your own ability, putting your trust in your good works. It's by putting your trust in what Jesus Christ did on that cross. And when he died on that cross, and they put him in that grave. And he came back to life three days later. He conquered everything that would try to conquer you, including your relationship with God. You can know God personally by putting your trust in Jesus. The Bible says all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What are we going to do? We're going to confess Jesus as our Lord as our savior. What does that mean? That means that I'm handing my life over to my savior. I'm handing my life over to my savior. I know what you're thinking. That makes me a little bit nervous because I kind of like being the driver in my life. No, you haven't lived life with Jesus being the driver of your life. If you want to make that decision, just so I know who I'm praying with, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air on the count of three. One, two, three. Would you raise your hand if that's you? We see those hands. We see those hands. We see those hands. We see those hands. And we see those hands. As a church family, I'm going to ask you to pray this. And for those that are making that decision, I'm going to ask you to mean this with all of your heart. Say this. Say, God, 
thank you for your love. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Jesus, today I say that I'm yours. I call you my Lord, my Savior. I thank you that my life will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate with all the people that just made a decision for Jesus?